Hello, and welcome to our Road to Desert Rain series. Uh, Today, I sit down with Crystal Jocelyn, and we talk about her upbringing and childhood here in El Paso, Texas, Uh, the time she spent in the greater Los Angeles area, and eventually moving back here to El Paso and landing at Desert Rain Community. But before we get into that, thank you, Diego, from Recording Moving Studios. He does all the uh, sound engineering and editing for these episodes. Thank you to David and Danny West. Uh, That's the music you hear in the intro and outro on Road to Desert Rain. If you're interested in learning more about Desert Rain Community, check out theruined.com. Uh, if you're interested in hearing more of uh, more episodes of our podcast, drcrpod.com, uh, please tell a friend if you're enjoying what you hear, uh, whether it be word of mouth or social media. Uh, we appreciate you, and let's get into it. Good morning, and welcome to Road to Desert Rain, a show um, on the Desert Rain Community Radio podcast network, even though we're not really a network. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? Good. How are you? I'm here with uh, Crystal Jocelyn. We're going to explore her road to Desert Rain today. And uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. Uh, You're an El Paso native, is that correct? Yes, I am. Cool. What part of El Paso did you grow up in? Eastside. Yeah? When it was relative, when it was all new. Basically, yeah. When it was still desert. Yeah, when it was all desert, <laughs> we were like one of the only houses there. Very cool. And uh, what was your, like the spiritual life or religious life or lack thereof in your household growing up? Um, We all grew up, well, my sisters and I, my parents, we all were Catholic. And okay. we would go to church every other Sunday. Um, yeah, we would, I was... I did my first communion. I did the one when you're 15. I forgot what it's called. Uh, confirmation. Yes. I, I did was that confirmed. too. I sang in the church choir for a while, even though I didn't have a voice, but at least they let me because I wanted to. <laughs> but um, They were kind enough to let you. They were kind enough. Yeah. But um, yeah, there was always a connection to church, and I always felt a connection some in some way, shape, or form. Okay. So you didn't... You didn't feel like it was like uh, so for me growing up. I was I also grew up Catholic and did baptism, first communion, confirmation. But it always felt like uh, it was just required in our household, mm-hmm. and I didn't really I didn't have like a connection to church or to God or anything like that. But you did feel that I did to God. I did. Um, yeah. Do you I remember any specific ways, or you just kind of you just kind of felt it? As you were growing up? I just felt it as I was growing up, especially being at my grandmother's house. Mm. She lived um, down um, by Segundo. She had this huge backyard, and I was just always in the backyard Mm -hmm. just talking. Really? I felt like I was talking to nature. and I knew I was talking to the Creator, God, for Mm -hmm. me. That's what I would just sit there and talk and the birds and, yeah. That's amazing. And you have two siblings? Yes. Okay. Two younger sisters. Okay, so you're the oldest. Yes. Yeah, very cool. Um, and so, what what did that? I mean, so did you was was it because you were at your grandma's house, or was it just because you were in nature that you felt this stirring to talk to the Creator as you were 
a little kid? Um, my grandmother's house just always felt, it was my second home. I loved mm-hmm. being there mm-hmm. and it just felt so magical. I loved being with my grandma and her house mm-hmm. and her backyard was just magical. Very cool. And my great grandparents and my grandmother, they all loved to garden. Mm-hmm. They would grow their own vegetables. And I just, I love sitting with them. It was yeah. just magical. It was a magical time. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. I, I too, so all, all four of my grandparents grew, I grew up in Cruces, as we've talked about, but all, I was very close with all four of my grandparents and and uh, didn't know any of my great-grandparents, but uh, yeah, there's just something, yeah. there's a, uh, I don't want to say weird, but like a special, a yes. different bond yes. with grandparents than Definitely. with parents or siblings and stuff. Um, and so... Uh, you grew up in El Paso, felt this connection with God, and and I believe you left when I was eighteen. Okay, and where did you go? I went to um, uh, it's called La Puente, California. It's all basically part of L.A. County. Okay. Um, my aunt, my uncle, and all my cousins live there, so that's why it was in a sense easy for me to move at eighteen. Yeah. Um, but. Anyone can tell you that since I was a kid, I would always say, I'm going to California. I'm going to California. I'm going to live in California. I felt this strong pull yeah. just to go to California. Why do you think that what was what was it about California? That's when I could, my journey started as far as dancing mm. and everything, really dancing and um, being involved in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I mean, what, as a little kid, yeah. what, what did you feel the pull to California was? The life there. There was just okay. an energy there, okay. the water, the green. Yeah, the beach. Yes. I yeah. just loved being around mm-hmm. all of that. There's just an energy in California. For yeah. everyone who's been there, they know there's yeah, this for energy. Sure. Well, it's funny because for me, it wasn't a location specific, but as I could remember wanting to leave Las Cruces. Yeah. Like get out of Las Cruces and me. go, you know, and it's so it's interesting that you had that same pool, but it was to like yeah. A specific location. Yeah. And so so what was that like? Um sort of your early adult life breaking breaking out of the El Paso and and being close to in proximity to your uh to your family and siblings. What were those first few years in, in LA like? They were amazing. Yeah. Honestly, they were it was it was a dream. It mm. was just amazing. Like, and I always say this, like if I were to Pass now, like if I were to mm-hmm. die now, I can honestly say I lived. Oh wow! Because it was just a beautiful, beautiful time, and it was just that one special, unique time in my life yeah. that I will never forget. And you mentioned you got involved in dancing in the church, yeah. When you got there, so I'd like to explore both of those. Mm-hmm. Is which one do you want to jump into? Whatever okay, let's go. In, so, what kind of like what uh, what sort of dancing and, and what did that look like? Well. In high school, I was part of the drill team, mm-hmm. flags and all that. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was my last performance. And before the music was starting, we're all standing there in the gym. And I just said, thank you, God, for letting me dance. Wow. And I know this is my last time that I'm really going to dance. Yeah. But thank you. So this was your senior year. This is my senior year. Yeah, and yeah. I never thought going to California, it was like, oh, no, honey, this is the beginning kind of thing. Oh. And it was. It was amazing. And so what did you do? And did you get involved with? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my When I moved, my um, family there in California, they were involved with a Spanish-speaking vineyard Okay. in Downey, California. And what was the name of the church? Do La Vina. Okay. 
And they were constantly inviting me. You should come. You should come. And I was like, no, because you guys are crazy. <laughs> you guys are weird. Well, especially growing up yes. in the Catholic yeah, church. I was it's like, so no, different. I love you, but no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want that. You know, and just, it was just timing. I was sitting there in my cousin's room and she comes up to me. And she goes, you know, a lot of, of the pastors or my friends were asking about you and they just really want to meet you. And I just, and something just like clicked in me and I said, mm. okay, I'll go, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were never pressuring me. That's That was the thing that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like they were pressuring me, nothing. So I just, It wasn't you know, the, uh, you're going to go to hell yeah, speech it was if you don't come to church like that. with us. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, okay, just let Crystal be Crystal. <laughs> okay. Um, so I just went, you know, I'm going to go. And the first time I went, it was, um, I think it was a Christmas, Christmas thing or something. And my cousins told me, oh, um, the youth pastor's wife, she's going to do a dance. And I said, <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, right. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Right. Right. So I'm sitting there and. Because um, you don't, especially you don't with the Catholic. Well, in the yeah, Catholic you know, and the no. dancing I did was in Juarez. <laughs> so I was like, okay. You're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So. She comes out and she did this song called Breath of Heaven. I'm sure every mm. a lot of people know it. And it was so simple yet so beautiful. And I was holding back tears because I thought, you can't cry in church. You know, that's just mm. really weird. What's this, what's this feeling I'm having? I felt like this, like just something completely just covered me like a blanket. Wow. And I was just like, I want to do that. I don't fully understand it, mm-hmm. but my spirit was like, this was what you were born to do. Wow. So, I had no idea that it was more like, they were very much on like direction of prayer or, you know, like feeling like, um, at that time, the pastor's wife wasn't just letting everyone become part of like the dance group. Mm. She was, it was very spirit-led, you know, and or, mm-hmm. you know, what she felt God was telling her. So I just went straight to her and I said, I want to do what you're doing. And I don't understand it, but I want to do what you're doing. So just to back up half a second. So was she singing and dancing? No. Or there was a group, someone else was singing or what? What it did was, it look like exactly? She just had, it was just music played okay. like on a CD. And she was wearing nothing but white. And mm. she was pregnant. She had to be, mm. she happened to be pregnant. And the song Breath of Heaven is about... Mary being scared because she's about to give birth and she feels alone and she's in the cold, you know. And it was just, (laughs) it was so simple, but so beautiful. And she was by herself. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it just, it touched me. Yeah. And so you approach her afterwards, say? I approached her and I just said, I want to do what you're doing. I just, and I wasn't even... This was like, like, this was the first time I went, like I said, and I wasn't heavily involved. I didn't understand really what was going on, but mm-hmm. my spirit was like, this is, this is you. Mm-hmm. This is what you've been looking for. And I just told her, I just really feel that I'm supposed to dance. <laughs> and she was like, okay, um, well, let's get together. Let's talk about it. You know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. was nice. She wasn't just like, oh, no, you can't because, you know, you're new. And right. she was like, okay. Or, or she wasn't even like, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, she was our just, practices exactly. at this time, right? She, she was just like, okay, well, let's let's talk about it. Let's, and we did, and 
um, yeah, someone else had prayed for me, not knowing me and just told me too, you're, you're a dancer. Mm. You've had dance in your heart since you were born. You were born to dance. Mm-hmm. And that something in me let like just jumped. Like, yeah, like my spirit was like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I eventually, I got in. <laughs> so so just to back up a little bit, so mm-hmm. did you, even before the drill team in high school, did yeah. you dance as a, a little kid or anything yes, like that? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, I wasn't put in dance classes or anything, but I was always the one that was, I would just dance mm-hmm. around the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at my shadows, I just dance, 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 dance. Mm-hmm. And my mom would always be, I crystal, we need to put her in something, <laughs> you know, but it, it was hard for my parents, uh-huh. you know, financially. So I wasn't in it until I got into high school, but okay. yeah, oh, it's always been. But it's always been part of your sort of yes. your DNA to sort of speak of? Yeah. Awesome. So. So it sounds like the dance stuff and the church involvement's almost hand in hand. Yes. Okay. So um, you get, ex- you know, accepted is probably the wrong word, but um, the pastor's wife's like, yeah, let's do this. And, yeah. and so what sort of how did that, I guess, how, how did the path go side by side with you being involved in the church and sort of uh, having that connection and the dancing? Um. I just because I knew that you the because okay I'm trying not to get emotional. Um, God used or Creator used dance to pull me in mm. to be closer mm-hmm. to what um, to just what my ancestors did um, spiritually. I'm not very good at praying mm-hmm. voice you know speaking. But I learned that I could pray through movement. Oh, wow. If I felt someone was hurting in my room, I would just pray. I would just dance Mm -hmm. and pray through that. Um, And when I started dancing with the group there, we started doing, like, outreaches. Mm -hmm. At one point, we went to a San Diego vineyard, and there was this guy named Mark McCoy, he was an amazing worship leader, and he was very different from other worship leaders because what I learned early on was he was actually people that a, that a lot of us who were in the church were scared of, mm-hmm. like, you know, inviting in. This guy was just there in it. He was just with everyone, mm. you know, and he actually did music for the Sex Pistols. Oh, which really? more amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. So he, like, just— he was just an amazing spirit, and uh, we were there with him for three days in San Diego, and I think that was really the start of everything, because then my leader got, um, well, my friend, she's she was my friend, um, Victoria, um, she got connected to a Native American group, and they mm. were called 120 Drums, and um, she was Native, and I'm being Native, that just opened up so mm-hmm. many doors, too. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and so um not not to I I do want to yeah. explore one thing because we on one of the previous podcasts, uh, David and I talk about uh movement. You know, we we mostly talked about walking and stuff like that. Um, but do you so do you still use dance as a form of prayer now in your in your adult life? Um not as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. I it's more I think I'm just afraid, really. Mm-hmm. 
I'm still healing from all right. Things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm just afraid that because I love it so much, I don't want to lose it again because mm-hmm. I had lost it. Okay. Um, and then the another question, sort of going back to when you first started getting involved with the vineyard. What was was that transition tough or weird or hard going from the Catholic upbringing and then going into the sort of uh, you know vineyard way of life, yeah. so to speak? Oh no, it was okay. not tough at all because I was just like I said, my family let me be who I was, uh, okay. and they weren't pushing me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just I, it was very much just go with the flow. If I had questions, they were never dumb or fears; they mm-hmm. were never anything, you know. Um, yeah, I just I would love sitting with them and just like asking them questions and we would just have these deep conversations and they never made me feel dumb for asking mm. just questions. Mm-hmm. And that was like I said that was just a beautiful time. Mm. And so um is there a specific uh instance or story where connected with your dancing where you were just sort of you you know you were the divine presence was there there with you and maybe you didn't know it in the moment mm-hmm. but like looking back is you know is there one really specific time that sort of sticks out is that that mystical moment or or maybe there's a couple different ones yeah there to be honest with you there was there was a lot mm-hmm. a lot where i had no idea that someone was watching me because like I didn't go up and dance in front of everyone kind of thing. Like it wasn't really like that where when the worship was going on, you just go up in front and dance. Mm, Sometimes okay. you would, but it like how Vineyard is, it was very led. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times we'd just go to the corners or I would go mm. a corner um, and just dance. And many people would tell us after that, like, my my Victoria, who was the dance team leader, and I would be moving in like unison, mm-hmm. but we were totally opposite and facing the wall. We're not even, but we were moving the exact same way. It wasn't like you had choreographed something. No, beforehand. and we were both moving like in the prophetic, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in. James Bay, Canada. We were in the Cree Reservation. I remember dancing and um, dancing on the land. And it was just the pounding on the land and the movement. The pounding felt like I was breaking something, breaking hurt, breaking. Like I wasn't like the instrument to break and free everyone kind of thing. It wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Um Something was breaking, mm-hmm. if I if if that makes sense, spiritually, and I just felt led to just stomp and stomp, and mo- swaying my arms, um, felt like the movement of the spirit, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what was breaking, the movement of the spirit, the breath was just coming in. That so many instances I don't know. Yeah, well, and I, I think that's you know it, it's. Um... Not a common saying, but sort of that poetic saying of, you know, God can't really come in and be a part of us until that something's broken free yeah. or something's broken open, you know? And so it's really, really amazing to have, um, especially someone like me who's not really a dancer, right? Yeah. Like 
I'll get up at weddings and be silly or whatever, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, having that sort of uh, in- inspired dance mm-hmm. like you're talking about. And so, so the, uh, in this particular instance, mm-hmm. uh, did you go up with the, the native group that you yes, had mentioned? Yes, we with 120 drums and it was um, Linda Prince who was leading it. And um, a lot of groups would come and meet mm-hmm. and, we couldn't go into these reservations unless we were invited, right. which was a beautiful thing. We yeah. were invited, and we were honored, and we honored them. And I learned that um, a long time ago, wherever after that, wherever I was invited to dance, I always thanked, even if it was like Morrison, David Morrison and Marsha, mm-hmm. the first time I met them, they probably don't remember, I thanked them for allowing me to be here on their oh, land wow. for inviting that for inviting me, you know, and they're like, "Oh, thank you." But for me, that just became so um, precious. Mm-hmm. Just thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, even that initial invite, you yeah. know, I have a a couple of friends. Well, I have a handful of friends that are involved in in native communities and in different uh, different facets or different connections, and there's really. In their tradition, there's something about inviting people. You know, it's a sacred, yes, it's yes. a sacred thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, just sort of being cognizant of that, um, sort of on the next, you know, on the other side of that, like you're describing, of like expressing the gratitude for yes. the invite, yes, right, and not just feeling like, oh, of course they would invite me, sort of no, mentality. Yeah. Um. So I, right before we we started recording, you talked about. Um, being in, you had been, you stayed in LA for about 10 years. Yes. And then you ended up back in El Paso, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what was sort of the, uh, um, because you had been called so deeply to LA, what what brought you back to the, the El Paso area? Well, everything was going amazingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I think what was happening too was I was getting older and really questioning a lot of stuff. Um. Just in general or religious um, stuff? About or? religious, okay. about religion and just the way certain things run. Mm-hmm. Of course. Just, and I started just sitting there in the middle like of sermons, just questioning, saying, you know, like, why aren't we, why aren't we out there? Why are we just sitting here listening mm. to the preacher? I, these little things. But the thing that was scaring me was like, oh, I can't be questioning stuff like <laughs> right. that. You know, I can't. <gasps> Something. What's going on? You know. Um, and do you think that that fear of questioning? Yes. Uh, came from the vineyard side of it, the being raised Catholic, or just something inside you were like, oh, don't don't question this. I think it came. Not to blame anyone. No, no, you know yeah, what I mean? no, just sort of what no, no, the, no, no, no. I don't. Um, what the inspiration internally was. I maybe. think, and this is um, I mean, this is on my part because people are different, you know. Mm-hmm, of course. But. I started realizing that if my pastors didn't approve of what I was doing, then that wasn't God versus God telling or, you know, me. If like if my pastors didn't say, oh, no, yeah, that's good what you're doing or. Or kind of scolding you maybe. Yeah. Then, okay, their, their, their word, how they see me is God. Versus, oh, I, okay, right, versus right, 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 really the actual divine yes. presence. Okay, they were becoming my divine presence. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it. I think I was. 
I don't remember. It's kind of a blur that time. But um, I started questioning things and mm-hmm. I started, I guess, becoming, in their words, more rebellious. But I wasn't <laughs> rebellious at all. I just start questioning things and kind of being like, well, you know? It didn't, um, something didn't make sense to you. So you would ask, you would ask the question. Yeah. Or the way other, I would see other people, mm. they were treated. And it's kind of like, but we're taught this. Right. Yeah. This is what's going on. I, as I got older, I started just questioning more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never thought I would leave. I never thought I'd be like, till the day I die, mm. I will follow. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Um, long story short, um, I met this guy there. Mm. And started dating for a little bit. Um, and did you meet him through the church? Yes. Okay. I met through the church. We started dating, and um, things got really ugly after that. Um, Within the relationship? Or, yeah. Okay. He, uh, well, I ended up being raped. Mm. And um, I thought it was, you know, as a victim or just as someone who, I was blaming myself a lot because I was, you know, I thought, um, I'm heavily involved in the church. I'm in leadership. I should have known better. Um, it's not his fault because he's new kind of thing. Mm. I've messed up everything. I've messed up my life. I messed up my calling. I'm no longer pure. I'm no longer worthy kind of thing. Which couldn't be farther from the truth. Now, Right? Because yeah. you were in that, you're a victim. Yeah. Um So, um, I remember that after it happened, I was just in a state of shock. Um, The next morning, I went straight to my my leader, and I told her what happened, and she was in shock, but I didn't call it rape. Um, I just blamed myself, and um, I had told my boyfriend at that time, please don't tell anyone. I will take care of it, Mm. you know, because I didn't want, you know— wanted to go out to church, and I didn't want this and that. Um, so I went to my leader, and she said, okay, stay home tonight. Don't don't come to practice. I, I need to talk to whoever. I said, okay. Um, after everything happened, she got, she and her husband and his um, family and my family all got together. We had no idea. Mind you, I'm 25 years old, 24, 25 not knowing what happened, and um, the pastor says, well, Cole and Cole, sorry, that's my husband now. <laughs> yeah, we'll, that, that's we'll later. Let it, we'll, let it, we'll let it that part out. <laughs> no, um, Crystal and I'm not going to say his name. Mm. Um, they got intimate, and this is what happened, and, you know, he came, um, so basically. So the pastor that wasn't there. When this act took place, yes. is describing what happened to because everyone at this meeting. I under what found what I find out is that my boyfriend, my ex boyfriend at that time, went to them. Oh, and told it his and told his, his side of the story, um, which was we just we were intimate, mm. and he was very you know he was very I guess when we were there, they received him well. <laughs> because he was, I guess, humble and said, please, I messed up. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. Don't kick me out of the church. And I was in a state of shock mm. and didn't know what to say. So I was very quiet, didn't know what to do, just very yes, no. And they called that pride. 
that I was just very scared. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were in that meeting, you know, my 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 aunt, who was my parent there, and my cousin, who was like my big sister, started crying, and I'm crying, and I'm saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," telling everyone I'm so sorry because I was putting this whole thing on me. And the thing that you know what I loved. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be. I loved my pastor so much. And when I was saying I'm sorry, my pastor said, you're sorry because you were caught. And I'm in the back of my mind, I'm saying I wasn't caught. Like, wait a minute. what? I went to you guys. Right. You know. The next day. Yeah. Within hours. Yeah. It happened. And, but like I said it. That time, their word was God. So I mm-hmm. thought, well, they know they're following what God's telling them. Mm-hmm. Then I must have, I must be scared or must be sad because I'm caught. You know, so I'm crying and I'm crying. And I could tell that my, um, my leader, she couldn't even look at me, but it wasn't because she was angry. She was hurting. And even to this day, I know in my heart she didn't agree what was going on with me, mm-hmm. but she was following the lead of what she was being told to do. And was your leader, I, don't, I might have got this messed up, but was the leader the pastor's wife? Yeah. Okay. And I know what he did was not right because mm-hmm. they were using me as a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now that I have had time to really think about it, you of know. Of course. So I was busy. I was busy basically just iced out while he was allowed to play in the worship, to be in the worship team, still to go on beautifully with his life, laughing with friends that used to be my friends. Everyone just iced me out because I was like the dirty, basically the dirty whore that, you know, enticed this guy. Um, So, I tried for a year to just really try to get back into everyone's good graces, you know, right. beating myself up. I lost my—well, actually, I got fired from my job because I was in such a deep, deep depression that I couldn't get out of bed or I would get up, get dressed, and just drive around, walk around, mm-hmm. not knowing if I should kill myself, not knowing what to do. So, I mean, I had never been, like— that was darkness. And, and were I, you working at the church or something totally unrelated? I was working at a private school, a Christian yeah. private school. You so know? you got you got what had happened within the church spreads fast. The the, the ripple effect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I loved working with my kids there because right. they were sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Okay. I love that age group back in the day. Now that I have kids, I can't be around <laughs> kids. <laughs> But I was, you well, know. I could see, yeah, I could see you being like a really, really well connected with that age range. I had so much fun. <clears throat> yeah. So, so much fun with them. Um, but I was but just that was so, lost in this. I was lost. Tragedy, I, yeah. I had lost something, and I stopped dancing. I couldn't dance anymore because I wasn't worthy, and that just destroyed me. And um, <clears throat> after a year, I just said, you know. My sisters knew about it. My parents never knew because it would have been terrible. Right. Um, 
because my like I moving a little back, my aunt was always very supportive no matter what. She would tell me, I don't agree what's been done, but she never said anything. You know, mm-hmm. she didn't agree how it was being treated, but nothing was ever said. Mm-hmm. Well, but, she would say it to you. Yes. But not publicly. Exactly. Right. Um and but my cousins and all that basically just I was nothing. Mm. Um, so they that, they bought into this scapegoat yeah, story. Yeah, because their story, their um, like I said, the pastor's words were God's, right. and they they were knee deep in that too, mm-hmm. just like me, you know. Or so it was just a very very dark time. And after a year, I just told myself, my sisters the whole time were very very angry, mm-hmm. you know. Rightfully so. And they were telling me, you know, what's happening to you is not right. This is not right. They're using you, and you need to get out of that. Why are you still there? This is bullshit, you know, what's happening to you. Right. And I was like, no, no, they know what they're doing. I messed up. I was what I shouldn't have put myself in that situation. I knew better. I was in the church longer, you know, just... All that, and I was blaming myself. And my sister would just cry with me. My sister Sylvia, especially, would cry with me because she was so hurt for me and she was so angry. And she would be like, I just want to go and get you. I want you to just come home. Just come home. And about after a year, I just decided, you know, I believe I was getting hard. I was just getting angry. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm just going to go back to El Paso. I'm going to mm-hmm. finish school. And I'm going to go to India and Sri Lanka, and I'm going to work at, well, I'm going to just work go in hang orphanages. Out with, with Mother yes, Teresa. Yes, Mother Teresa. <laughs> I'm going to work in orphanages. Help kids. Yep. No one knows me, blah, 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 you know. So I, I, was already, I wanted to go to India. I've always wanted to go to India oh, okay. or Sri Lanka, and I had friends in yeah, LA yeah. that could connect me to orphanages there, you know, to so work. So you already had some connections. Yeah, there. so I was yeah. getting ready for that. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to school, finish, blah, blah, blah. So I left. Everyone was like, basically, like, peace out, bye. No one cared. Um, I left, and I came here, and I was like, I am not. I lived with my mom, you know, mm-hmm. moved back here. And I knew there was a vineyard here, and there was just still that strong, like, I just still need to hear God. Yeah. I still need to be a part of people, but I'm just going to be quiet. Well, and I think that goes back to, as you're, you talked about um, being a little girl, right? Yeah. Having that connection uh, with the divine— and in that instance, it was just, you know, being in your grandma's backyard. Yeah. So coming back here was a breath of fresh air. Um, it was uh, amazing just to be back with my family, uh, my mom, my dad, and my sisters. Um, as After going through all this and just being older, I really appreciated my mom and my dad, my sisters, you know, where before mm-hmm. I just took them for granted. Mm. I really appreciated them. I mean, I love them with all my heart. And um, so I was like, well, I got to work, you know. <laughs> my parents were like, no, you don't have to work. Just go to school. We'll take care of it. I'm like, no, I want to work. Mm-hmm. So I knew there was a, there was a vineyard here. And um, so I went, I went one Sunday. And they had mentioned that um, <clears throat> they were going to do soaking prayer. Do you know what soaking prayer is? I don't. Could you describe that? Soaking prayer is basically a whole bunch of people just pray over you. It's like Mm. they soak over prayer with you. 
And it's not like this. They just, they're, it could be in the silence. It can be whatever, but they're just there to hold you and pray with you for like however long is needed. Well, it's amazing because I had experienced something when I, right before I left for Philadelphia a few years ago, a bunch of people here at Desert Rain did that in the chapel. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's funny because they had mentioned, the pastor there had mentioned, well, a group from Desert Rain is going to come tonight. And do soaking prayer. Mm. So I said, huh. I had never heard of Desert Rain, nothing like that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try it. I want to do soaking prayer. Because mm-hmm. even though like, I came from something terrible, I was still deeply in love with the Creator and just yeah. what was done in my life. I couldn't pull apart from that. Um, so I was like, well, I'm going to go. So I went and... It was Jacob Nedia. I think it was Marsha Morrison. It was a group of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they had asked me, Jacob, he, and Jacob to his day doesn't remember. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Jacob doesn't remember no, he much doesn't. of anything. I'm like, oh, <laughs> if, Lord. So, if you've listened to his road to Desert <laughs> yeah. Rain, everyone's like, yeah, okay. That sounds about yeah. right. <laughs> so Jacob said, Jacob asked, what do you need prayer for? How can we pray for you? Do you want us just to be in, you know, just stand in silence with you or just be with you. And I said, I just need, I just need prayer. I don't know what, just pray for me. And I wasn't crying, I wasn't anything. I was just very solemn, just like, I just want prayer. Did you still feel sort of hard at yeah. that point, like you were talking about a little bit ago? Yeah. Okay. I was still feeling, I was still very much in the dark. Guarded because I was in the dark. I blamed myself for everything, and I really mm-hmm. felt I lost everything, you know, that That's God had right. said He was going to give me through these people yeah. kind of thing. Um, so they were just, they stood there and they were praying for me, you know, just quietly and stuff. And Jacob said, I'm sorry, what's your name? And I said, Crystal. He goes, Crystal. He goes, look at me. So I look at him and he goes, I don't know you. And, you know, I don't know what your situation is. He goes, but I just see nothing but pure joy in your life. And I was you know, and I started laughing and I cried, but I laughed because that was like that part of me, like, yeah, right. You know, and he just said, I see nothing but pure, pure joy in your life. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I just started crying and just, and, um, you know, prayer was prayer. And okay. So I went home and I was like, okay, my pure joy is going to be in India when I'm gone. You know, you start, start to, you know, building your stuff. That's my pure you start joy. start pr- projecting yeah. into the future. That's what I'm going to do. Like, I know? can't have joy right now. Yeah, I'm going to have it in India where no one knows me kind of thing, right? So I was like, well, I got to find a job. So I went, so um, I was like, well, Vineyard has a private school. Um. I've been a teacher's aide. They, I know they need teacher's aide, so I'm just going to apply. Right. So <laughs> that week, um, I walk into the office, and, um, you know, I'm applying, and this Asian guy with this, like, I used to call him light bulb head because his hair was all bleached, <laughs> comes out of the room. Slim and, shady looking. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he comes out of his office, and he goes, hi, what's your name? You know, and I introduce myself and stuff. He goes, well... 
you know, what are you here for? And I'm like, I'm applying for this. Well, I hope you don't like making money. And I'm like, no. You know, I started laughing. And I was like, well, I'm used to it. I've been working for private schools. They don't pay much. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, it's good to see you. Hope to see you some more, you know. I'm like, okay. And as I'm driving back to the east side, God tells me, this is going to be your husband. And I started crying and crying, saying, no, I don't want to be with anyone. I don't deserve anyone. And once he knows about my past, he's not going to want me, and I don't want to go through that again. And I don't want to be with anyone. I just want to be with me. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to be alone. I, just, I want to be alone in India. Yeah, I just want to be <laughs> alone orphan- in India with the orphanage, <laughs> with the kids, you know, and— um. I just, I was crying and crying, saying, no, God, please don't. No, God, please don't. You know, and God, over and over, I just, my spirit was just, something in my spirit was just so happy because there was a, I felt home, if that makes sense. Like, my spirit was like, you're home. Mm. Um, so, I remember I started, <laughs> like, I was kidding, like, I was joking. I got home and, you know, I was just walking around. My dad's like, how did everything go, mija, you know? And, my, and I go, oh, everything went well. I go, Dad, you're going to have Korean-Mexican <laughs> grandkids. And he goes, what? And he goes, you're going to have Korean-Mexican grandkids. And he goes, what are you? You know, he's just like, that loca. Like, you know, yeah, you're crazy. Yeah. And I was just like, because I think I had to make jokes about it because I was like. You weren't ready. No. Yeah. And the human part of me was like, yeah, right. Yeah. Kind of thing. So. Um, I start telling him, oh, yeah, I already met my husband, like, oh, like being, you know, just a smart ass. And he was like, don't be so cocky. Don't be so cocky. You know, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, how, and how long ago, like from present day, so we're in 2021, how mm-hmm. long ago was that first encounter? Oh, my God. We've been married 15 years. So 16 years ago. Nice. Um, so I started going to the church. And what felt amazing about it, I didn't feel <laughs> like when you like someone, you know, you kind of feel like I have to, you know, I have to be around. You have to be a, a certain kind of way. Yeah, I felt no pressure because I was like, okay, God, really, this is okay. Make have your, you know, use your magic because I'm not doing yeah. anything, kind of thing, hoping nothing would happen, you know, because I was so scared. Um, so, um, I noticed that. Cole would come all around. Cole would come around when I was with the kids and stuff. And I didn't see it as him coming to flirt or coming to just hang out because I thought, well, he's a youth pastor. Right. Of course, he's going to check on the kids. And um, a lot of the teachers there were like, you know, Cole doesn't come by here. And I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, Cole's been coming by a lot. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, kind of like trying to play cool. And for those that haven't list- yet listened to Cole's <laughs> uh, episode, which came would when you're hearing this it, two weeks ago, Cole's came out and he talked about. He's like, "Oh, I guess I got to go check up on the kids now," <laughs> <laughs> with some ulterior motives. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, so we just were talking. We hadn't gone on a date yet. He hadn't asked me, and um, I remember one Sunday, I was driving back home, and I get this call, and it's Cole. Mm. And Cole's like, hey, where are you? Why did you leave so early? I'm like, well, I'm going home. And he goes, well, let's go hang out. And I'm like, Mm. no. I was just like, I was ready to say, no, I don't want to, because that's when I got scared. Yeah. 
And he goes, let's go hang out. And I said, okay. He goes, well, where do you live? I'll pick you up. I go, no, you don't need to pick me up. I'll meet you somewhere. And he goes, mm-hmm. I'll pick you up. It's okay. No, I'll meet you somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I was like, so he was like, okay. So I told my mom and my dad, hey, I'm going to meet Cole. He's a pastor. And my dad and my mom were like, okay, you know, have They're fun. like, I hope you don't want to make money. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we went, I, we met, um, and we just went out that whole night. We were together all night just talking in his car at Sonic. Nice. And it felt like home. Mm. I was home. And I just like, I guess you can call it throwing up. I just threw up and I was just like on him, not, not threw up, like throw up, throw up. But I just told him everything. Like, this is yeah, where I'm coming from. Open and vulnerable. Yeah, I'm not. And I was like, what do I have to lose? I've basically lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hoping I, he would reject yes, you and then you could go to India and work. Exactly. In work in the orphanage, you know. <laughs> so I just told him, this is, this is where I'm coming from. And I'm not, I'm not looking to just, I'm not looking just to date. I don't want to date. Mm. I don't want to just, you know, whatever, whatever, have fun. And he was a pastor at that time, too, you know. And one thing he told me, <laughs> he goes, well, what happened to you? And I told him, and I go, and they all gave up on me. They all gave up on me. And he told me, I will never give up on you. <laughs> just hearing that, it was like, I am home. I was home with mm-hmm. him. And we joke around saying that <laughs> if it wasn't for him being involved in the church, we would have moved in within a week. Mm. We would have been happily ever after. We would have got married and moved in because it just felt so easy mm. with each other. We were meant for each other. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so. That's where, <laughs> that's, you know. <laughs> Well, uh, so I mean, I, Cole gets into it, but I, I want to hear your perspective of it too. Um, your guys' marriage was the first one here at Desert yeah. Bay, um, and sort of, sort of, what was, uh, what was your view or perspective, sort of leading up to after getting engaged and just you know, Again. and and ending up making that decision to to do it here. Um, once we got engaged. He, um, well, we already knew people like in the church were telling us what we needed to do, you know, and as him being an associate pastor, you just, you know, okay, we're going to have to invite everyone. Mm-hmm. We have to make it big. But originally Cole and I had said, no, we want to get married at the beach. Mm. Just intimate thing. We don't need a big blah, 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 Keep you know, and I'm very much, possible. yeah, and I'm very much easy button. I don't, you know, let's yeah, just yeah. the easy button. Let's it's, get it done. I've known you for about three or yeah. four years, and it's like, yeah, whatever, whatever's yeah, the easiest just, way. Let's just, let's just, just do that. On. Yeah, let's just get it done, <laughs> kind of thing, you know. And um, so, man, we were just, ugh. we were just like, okay, we have like this many people, and oh my god, we're getting stressed out. And um, so we said, okay, we're not going to get married at the beach. We're going to have to get married here because people are like, well, you guys need to be an example to the church. You know how, you know, married couple, you know, how couples date and then they get married and blah, blah, blah. So we were like, so this outside expectation was being laid on top of you. Yeah. And so I was like, well, it is what it is, you know, but the church was going at that time. The church is going through 
some really bad stuff mm. where people were leaving and, you know, it's basically just breaking apart. And um, at one point, Cole and I were like, you know what? No, we got to do this for us because these people really aren't our people in a sense. They're not family. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to do what we want to do. So we said, okay, we're going to get married at Inn of the Mountain Gods kind of thing out in the, you know, <laughs> yeah. that way family can go. Yeah. yeah. We'll are on our way up there. Cole and I, he probably didn't tell you this, but Cole and I got in a huge, huge fight. Really? Yeah. And I was silent the whole way. Going, so you're headed to Rio Doso yeah, to heading, get married? No, no, no. To, Just um, to look at yeah, the, okay. look at everything. And we had to put, and we were like somewhere in between Oro Grande or whatever it's called. Um, and some other place, and my car ended up being on empty. I was livid, and we forgot our credit cards. So I was like, oh, my God, you know. So, okay, so that happened. So Cole's like, well, do you still want to go up there and check it? And I said, no, I Because you're at that, in between there is nothing but desert. nothing. Nothing. So we somehow made it. Free cell phone? No, we had cell phone, okay, okay. but we were just like on empty, and I think we managed to get one, that one gas station that's open. That charges like $5 yeah, a gallon. Yeah, and our car died. Well, probably now yeah, it's $10, like $10 a gallon. with the way everything is, <laughs> and it was like the car died. We didn't have, we forgot our credit cards. Cole forgot his wallet. I forgot, for some reason, I forgot my stuff. Yeah. And I was like, so somehow we got the gas, and we come driving back, and he goes, do you want to go visit the Morrisons? And I said, yeah, let's go visit them. Mm-hmm. Let's go talk to them. Yeah. So we're sitting there talking to them, you know. And after, we're walking out, and I don't remember quite how it was, but I said, why don't we get married here? Mm. And he goes, well, no one's gotten married here before. And I said, so? Let's ask them. So we asked them, and yeah. That same day? I don't know if it was that okay. same day. I don't remember, but but it that was, same day is when the inspiration. Yeah, I just came. said I was one who just said, "Why don't we get married here? Because it it's beautiful here. It's unbelievable." Yeah, so I was like, "Get married here." So they were like, "Yeah," you know. Morrison's were cool with it, and we were the first ones, and that made yeah. it super special that we were the first ones. Well, and Cole and I talked about it a little bit, but. That was kind of also, you, you You obviously married each other. Yeah. But it was also your guys' marriage to Desert Rain. Mm-hmm. You know, that that uh, lifelong connection or um, however you might describe it. Yeah. Um, we still have a little bit of time. So uh, one thing I would like to sort of fast forward to is um, you moved here about the same time I did. Yes. About three years ago. I can't remember you guys either moved in a month before or a month after. It was like yeah. we were moving in around the same time. So um, maybe if you could tell the how that – Cole and I didn't get to that part. Okay. Um, but, yeah, sort of how, how you ended up. Uh, so I guess the part I know is uh, your family had moved to Indiana mm-hmm. for Cole to go to graduate school. Yeah. Cole graduates right around the time your father passes. Or he gets sick or something, um, and it brought you back, you yeah. back to El Paso while Cole finished up there. So maybe you could sort of tell from there. Uh, the last year that my dad lived was, um, he was just pretty sick. Okay. And we were, it was Cole's last year. So, you know, um, I'd come back and forth a lot with the mm-hmm. kids. And I think it was a little bit before Mother's Day. 
like a two, week or two before Mother's Day, we were all up in Indiana, and um, my mom calls me, or one of my sisters called me, I don't know, and told me, you know, Dad fell, mm. but he's okay. But, you know, he he fell really hard, and he, you know, hurt his skull, and da-da-da. And I'm like, well, let me talk to Dad. My mom's like, he's okay. You don't have to calm mm. down. You know, you don't have to calm down. He's fine. So I was talking to him. He sounded great. You know, he's okay. like, hi, Miha, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, you know, your old dad, blah, blah, blah. So I told my I told my sister, send a picture to me mm. on what his head looks like. I saw his picture, and I just told Cole that day when he got home from work or from the school, I said, I need to go be with my family. I'm taking the kids. and So your dad looked pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, I said, I need to go be there. I need to be there with him. And he goes, no, no. So that night we all left. Mm. Cole even left with me. He did a lot of stuff from there. And um, on Mother's Day, my dad had fallen again. Mm. And three weeks later, he passed away. So we were in a crossroads where Cole was already getting, um, what do you call them, like invites or whatever, to other colleges to do his post Okay. Doc or something. Right. And it looked like we were th- we were going to go to Ohio, I believe. But after my dad passed away, I was just like, Cole, I, I just, I need to be here. Mm-hmm. I need to be with right. my mom and my sisters. And he felt the same way. He was like, yeah, we need to be here. Because his mom and his stepdad are here. Right. He was like, no, yeah, we need to be here. And we never thought, we always said we were not <laughs> We're never coming, coming back. Never coming back to El Paso. And I was like, famous last words. Yep. So we ended up living with my mom for a year because my mom needed that. She, mm-hmm. she says to this day, I don't know how I would have made it. Mm-hmm. But we always came to Desert Rain on right? our Sundays or yeah. just everything. And we always said, if whenever there's an opening, we are going to live in Desert Rain. Yeah. You know, because it felt like home. So after a year, I had just... Brought up with, um, we were sitting with the Morrisons, and I just asked the Morrisons, hey, so what's like the protocol or whatever? Someone wants to come live here, right. you know, or you know, or do you have room, or how does that happen? Do you build your own place, or what's, you know? <laughs> I mean, because we knew, but we didn't really know. We never really got deep into it, because we weren't, you know, really thinking about it. Well, yeah, it. It, it never crossed your radar yeah. to actually live out here. And he had, he had mentioned, well, actually, the... Um, Espinosas are leaving. Mm-hmm. And we we're like, what? And he goes, are you guys serious? You know, Marcia, yeah, are you yeah. guys serious? You guys just messing? And we're like, no, we're really serious. We want to live here. Right. So it was just perfect timing. Like everything just aligned. Excuse me. This always just felt like home. Mm-hmm. So when we finally moved in, it was like, yes, yeah. we're here. Just so... We're yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're it's me too. We're here. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, because it really, it really was because the, uh, the Espinosas bought purchased a house, right? Yes. Yeah, so they had bought in a house, and and the where you're the the house that you you reside in, you yeah. and your family and Cole and uh, opened up, and so it was yeah, just perfect timing. That is perfect, especially because you know it's like you get to support your mom for a year yeah. and, and help her through that that stage and. Um, you know, I, I witnessed it with uh, my grandmother mm. when my grandfather passed. That the year after was really, yes, really tough on her, and and um, 
luckily, you know, I was in Philadelphia at the time, but luckily my family was here, my dad and sisters to sort of walk walk with her yeah. um, through that year. My cousins too. My cousin spent a lot of time over there. So very grateful for him. So um, yeah. Yep. Road to Desert Rain. Road, road here you, to here Rain. you are. <laughs> yes. Awesome, Crystal. Uh, you feel good? I do. Awesome. Uh, thank you for coming on and being open and vulnerable and and sharing uh, sharing your story because I, I, from my perspective, it's important. Tragedies are going to happen. Yeah. Right. And it's, I think it's an important story to know that um, there are communities, there are churches, there are you know, in your case, too, family that will support you through those things. Yes. Um, and so not what happened, happened, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's beautiful that you're able to find a, a community that supports you today. Oh, yeah. In, in a yeah. way that, that you didn't experience in Los Angeles, to put it kindly. <laughs> I found my joy. <laughs> oh, yes. You found your home and your joy. Yes. And wait, did you ever go to India? Have you been to India? No. <laughs> Not even to visit? No, I'm all sad. I will one day. <laughs> yeah, we got we to gotta send you. Uh, Venmo me money to send... Uh, I know, come on now, come <laughs> Crystal on Crystal to India. <laughs> go hang out in an orphanage for a few weeks. Um, thank you everyone for listening to another uh, episode of Road to Desert Rain. Uh, thank you, Crystal. Thank um, you. As always, uh, to hear other episodes, DRCR Pod. Uh, if you want to learn more about Desert Rain uh, community in general, theruin.com is the place to go. Uh, the guitars you hear in the background right now for the outro, uh, thank you to David and Danny West for putting that together and composing it. Um, and once again, thank you, Crystal. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs>